Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Character and Smallman podcast powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 7.03. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman is here. I'm Randy Carriker. It's great to have you with us on a busy day before Thanksgiving on Carriker and Smallman. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? I'm doing well. Our producer engineer, Scott Manziara, his last day is today. He's bailing on us. If anybody ever saw the show... Murphy Brown. <laughs> Producers for us are kind of like secretaries for Murphy Brown. It's a revolving door. It kind of is, that job. He decided, you know, he came here in the, in the summertime and decided, you know what, I don't like these people. And decided uh, that he was going to call it quits and get the heck out of here. Right? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, you know what, Randy and Michelle every day, it's just so hard to work with people that are so nice and so compassionate. And, you know, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. That, that was the whole thing. So congratulations to you. Yes. I appreciate it. Um, on, on a uh, new, yeah. new opportunity. Thank, uh, thank a, you, a guys. Adventure in life. We've got a lot, thing, a lot of things going on. A lot of things going on today. We've got Ask Uncle Randy coming up at about oh, 10, 12 minutes. So you can get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780, and participate in Ask Uncle Randy. If you have any questions for me, especially during the holiday season, a lot of family issues during the holiday season. So if you want me to straighten things out for you and give you some advice on how to handle your holiday weekend or anything about sports, feel free to do so, 65780. We've got our Thanksgiving sides power rankings. We've got a special uh, we had our intrepid 101 ESPN reporters work their way into Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh's parents house, so we've got that coming up. (laughs) And then at 9.30, Samantha Wolf from Butterball is going to join us. She is a turkey expert. Mike Ryder is actually preparing his very first ever turkey Mm -hmm. for this Thanksgiving. Michelle's never done it, so never. she'll have a question. If you have a question for Samantha Wolf, you can leave us a mic drop and then listen at 8.30 or uh, 9.30, or you can just listen with uh, the the app later on. All you need to do is download the 101 ESPN app and check out today's Carriker and Smallman podcast brought to you by I Promise. And Samantha's going to have all kinds of great answers for you. Listening to you and Ryder talk about how to prepare the turkeys, it's quite a production. I have done sides. I have done desserts. I've never done the main event. I have never had to prepare a turkey, and it seems very stressful. So for all the people out there that are in charge of the bird, you might be a little stressed. You might have some questions. Feel free to use us as a vessel to get those questions answered by an expert. Samantha Wolf, Butterball at 930. And by the way, thanks to our friends at Butterball for providing turkeys for our listenership over the course of the last few days. It's been great. Yeah, it's been very fun to be able to give out certificates to turkeys to people before Thanksgiving, Randy. Michelle, interesting news out of Mexico. Jeff Passan of ESPN reporting that Randy Rosarena was detained in Mexico. He went to Mexico before he came to the United States upon leaving Cuba. 
And he, after an incident in which a Rosarena allegedly tried to take his daughter from her mother and allegedly assaulted the woman's father. That confirmed a Yucatan Ahura report. According to MLB's Department of Investigation, they are looking into it. And because the incident involves family, any potential discipline from MLB against Rosarena would fall under the league and union's joint domestic policy. All right, so here's... What we're hearing is that Abel Guerra, Arozarena's agent, told Romano that Arozarena was never married to the woman and that uh, the uh, horror report that Arozarena was being held on said that Arozarena was being held on abduction charges while the Diaro de Yucatan said he was being held on charges of violence against a woman. So you've got two different newspapers reporting two different things. At the end of the day, what we're finding out is that we don't know anything. Correct. So when (laughs) I first saw the Jeff Passan report yesterday, I was, of course, startled and thought, oh my gosh, what an unfortunate situation. But until you have concrete facts on what this is, it's very hard to make a determination as to the manner of the situation. There was video evidence that leaked out, and I watched the entire five-minute clip of it twice, and there's no confrontation from a physical standpoint on the footage that has been released. It still is a very, very sad scene. It's Randy Rosarena holding his daughter who is crying. All of these adults are yelling at one another. They're getting in each other's face. It's a big commotion. There's a lot of people involved, and this poor child is just crying in the middle of it. So a very sad situation, but as you mentioned, there's conflicting reports about the nature of the relationship with the people, about the nature of what happened, and you know, if you're the Rays or Major League Baseball, you have to do your due diligence to find out what exactly happened. At the end of the day, you would hope that it was just a situation where Randy Rosarena ultimately wanted to protect the child. And the agent of Rosarena said, the only thing I know is he was hypersensitive about making sure the child's needs were being taken care of. He was always sending money down there. He was always very involved in her life. I don't want to speculate about anything else. When it comes to family issues, there are always layers of complexity. Everything is perspective. Hopefully everything clears itself up. It's a horrible, unfortunate situation. I think that's a perfect way to describe it. A horrible, unfortunate fortunate situation. And in some of the reports I was reading, they were saying that Randy Rosarena was saying, I pay for everything and I'm not allowed to see my daughter. I want to come see her. And I'm not condoning anything that happened, but I can understand the frustration if you were away from your child for a long time and then didn't get, you you weren't permiss, it wasn't permissible for you to see them. I don't really know the situation, but either way, violence should never be an option. And hopefully as the details emerge, we find out it wasn't something as severe as what's being alleged. All right, let's uh, turn back to our little toy box of life and get to our perspective of a horrible, unfortunate situation. Okay. As you mentioned yesterday on your Killing Me Small, BYU tweeted on Saturday, any team, any place, any time. Correct. They want to play somebody. Washington took them up on their offer. And BYU said, well, hold on. We're going to wait until the rankings come out. Yeah. And last night, the rankings did come out. And BYU was 14th. And on the rankings show, Kalani Sataki, the BYU head coach, said that despite the fact that BYU turned down Washington, they aren't afraid of playing them. There's this narrative out that we were hiding or or ducking or waiting, uh, and that's just not true. It's a false narrative. I want to make sure everybody understands we're not afraid of anybody. We will respect everyone that we play, but there's no fear in this. But it's not anything unique to us. Uh, That's what makes college football great. Nobody's afraid of anybody. You know, uh, we're not afraid of Washington. They're not afraid of us. Uh, That's why we dedicate our lives to this game. 
and uh, you know hopefully uh, we can we can do it a lot. And to be honest with you, we have uh, two weeks left that are open, December fifth and December nineteenth, that we're willing to play football. And uh, you know if there's anybody that are actually have an availability to play those games, we would love to do it. But coach, Washington was willing to play you. Well, it wasn't because we were scared, that's for sure. You know, uh, it was because things didn't work out. We practiced yesterday. We were ready for this game. Nobody was more frustrated and disappointed than our players and our, and our coaches. And so we were looking forward to this game. It just didn't work out for whatever reason. If you want to play any team, any place, any time, great. If there's a chance that you don't, don't press send. Also, you keep saying for whatever reason, what's the reason? Mm -hmm. What is the reason? You can't just say a very vague blanket statement. It didn't work out for whatever reason. You are the person that knows why it didn't work out. So if you're trying to endear the committee members or any football decision makers into thinking that you weren't scared and in fact you would play a team if given the opportunity, you need to provide the evidence as to why you didn't play the game because it really sounds like you thought you were going to be ranked high and didn't want to potentially Mm -hmm. play a team that could beat you. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. I'm here, kids and adults. (laughs) I am here to provide you with sage wisdom that comes only through years of experience. It's Ask Uncle Randy. And it's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. As always, we appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. The Rhino Shield mic drop is available to you with the 101 ESPN app if you want to actually use your voice to ask me a question at Ask Uncle Randy. And you can email us at askuncleRandy at 101ESPN.com. Michelle, what do we have this morning? How about this one, Randy, from the 573? Dear Uncle Randy, how would you handle a family gathering where your ex-wife is going to be at said family gathering with a cousin of yours, and it's going to be at your mother's house? Surprise, surprise, I'm actually dealing with this Florida-Alabama-type mess. First of all, I'm not surprised that came from the 573. (laughs) You don't trade on the 573? Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, Second of all... Okay, let's hash this out. So your ex-wife is now dating your cousin, and they're coming to your mother's house for Thanksgiving dinner. I think there are two key elements to this. Make sure that with the cousin, you are never alone in the same room together. Because you don't want to say what you really think about your ex-wife and why your ex-wife became your ex-wife. The other thing that I think you want to avoid, unless you're uh, looking for some serious entertainment, is talk about your history with your ex-wife during dinner. I think this is a dinner where you just eat and keep your mouth full and stay quiet. This is not a dinner for you to A, speak, or B, react to any taunting that might come from said ex-wife. But by all means, don't taunt or don't talk about ex-wife with cousin. Don't taunt the cousin by saying, hey, she's my ex-wife for a reason. <laughs> Stay out of the same room alone with that cousin. 
you are so mature and I am so petty. I would be on the phone with my mom being like, they're not invited. Get them off the guest list. Remove the plates from the table. We're down to this holiday season. You know what? I divorced her for a reason. It's because I don't want to spend one more day, let alone a family holiday with this person. So if my cousin wants to shack up with her, great. But guess what? Then they're disinvited to Thanksgiving. That's your choice. That is too petty. (laughs) No, it's not. At one point, you loved this woman. And obviously, it's a cousin. It's family. It's kin. Well, then he should have had the same respect for me if I'm the person in the scenario. He should have said, that's my family. And clearly, she did something that made him not love her anymore. So I would never go down that road. And he's gone down the road. I don't know if they're close cousins or not. And that's why I said 573, because... <laughs> well, if they're not close cousins, they can be excommunicated if they're not, out of the Thanksgiving if, circle. If they're not close cousins, if you want to have your mom choose between you and the cousin, that's fine. But yeah, I, I would be more mature about it. I think there's ways to go about keeping this reasonably comfortable. It's going to be an uncomfortable situation, right? But reasonably comfortable for everybody. You also have a built-in excuse. It's a pandemic. Just say, hey, we're doing a very, very intimate Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, you didn't make the cut. That's the play, but they don't have that in the 573, Michelle. (laughs) I'm just saying there's an excuse there so you don't have to deal with what sounds like a pretty big hot mess. So one time, my dad was in the hospital, and Joan was pregnant with Patrick. So this was 1994. She was very pregnant with Patrick, like eight months. And we get into an elevator at Barnes Jewish. And a woman says to us, are you two husband and wife or brother and sister? And I said, we're from Arkansas. We're both. (laughs) (laughs) What was the reaction? She just, huh. And then she got off right at the second floor. This one from the 636 says, plot twist on the story. The ex-wife is also a cousin. Okay. (laughs) So you've got cousin dating cousin? I think they were kidding. (laughs) Okay, because that... Then that's absolutely the 573. <laughs> okay, how about this one? Dear Uncle Randy, what do you do with the food on your plate that doesn't taste good on Thanksgiving? I just kind of push it off to the side and I get full. That's that's not a problem at all. So there is something that you don't like. Maybe you don't like the Brussels sprouts that somebody did. Maybe you don't like the the spicing of a particular dish, the mashed potatoes or something. Yeah, you can... Easily just push that off to a corner of the plate and eat everything else. And you can even say, yeah, I'm kind of full with that. But then go get some more mashed potatoes. Good advice, Randy. We have a mic drop. This one comes from Ryan. Here's a question for Uncle Randy. Hey, Uncle Randy. So every Thanksgiving we watch Christmas movies after the dishes are done. And one of the biggest things is we argue about which Christmas movie we need to watch. Uh, Can you give me your insight on which Christmas movie is the best or what we should watch this year? All right. If I'm in charge, I always start the holiday season with Die Hard. Now, (laughs) Die Hard is probably if you have a five, six-year-old kid when... John McClane says, yippee Kaye, Mr. Falcon, but it's not the one that's edited. You probably don't want the five or six-year-old watching that. I would say there are a couple that you can't go wrong with. Every kid and every person is going to like It's a Wonderful Life because yes. it's a great story about redemption and about caring for others. And especially now in the time that we live in, having somebody who takes his well-being to care about others, George Bailey, is something that we can all learn from, all appreciate right now. The other one that we do, 
besides Die Hard, and I think this is probably the way to go for a family because everybody will appreciate it, is Home Alone. I think mm-hmm. if, if you have Home mm-hmm. Alone on Thanksgiving night, you're golden with kids, with adults, with everybody. You get laughs. There's humor for everybody. If I were to pick one, it would be, it, it would be Home Alone, Ryan. You have Good versus Evil, Kevin versus the Wet Bandits. Mm-hmm. You have Family, a story of family. It certainly brings the laugh and and heartwarming moments yep. at the end. No spoilers. You've got great comedy, Buzz Your Girlfriend, Wolf. Yep. I was going to say Home Alone well, or Elf. And, and great belly laughs when uh, in the scene where Kevin rigs the house with the door handle and mm-hmm. the, the basement steps and things like that. Yeah, I think that's the one. Okay, I love this one from the 618. Dear Uncle Randy, I have a standard Friday after Thanksgiving tea time with my father-in-law. Unfortunately, he sucks. He will hit the ball in the air half the time. I end up looking for his ball all day. I love golf, but I dread this tradition. Should I say my back hurts and not go and then grab some friends and go off with them? If you dread that tradition and it's your father-in-law, I think the bad back is the way to go, or that you just have errands to run. Now, if he hits the ball all over the place and you're able just to keep it moving, that's great. But if you have to look for lost balls and a three-hour round turns into a four-hour round, I appreciate your frustration. But you also have to keep in mind that you have to keep your wife happy. There's going to be something there that you're going to have to do with your father-in-law. Here's my recommendation is... I know you love golf, but there's also a Saturday after Thanksgiving for you and the buddies. Why don't you just change that tradition with your father-in-law and do something else that he and you can enjoy and bond over so that when you come home on Friday, your wife asks, what did you and my dad do? You can tell her something fun that you guys did together that wasn't golf. Maybe go to the driving range or here's a play for you. Just go to Top Golf. There you go. Because you're still golfing, you're still having the father-in-law moment. Never lose a ball. And you never have to lose. And nobody's ever had a bad time at Top Golf. Right. So that's a play, I think. I I would recommend that. I would also say suck it up a little bit. You know, it's it's one-on-one time with your father-in-law, once which is year. very important once a year. And you're playing golf. Even if you're having to search for his ball, things could be a lot worse. But then when you start hitting bad because you get out of a rhythm, it does become frustrating. And the word that I took out of that, the key word was dread. If That's you true. dread it, if it's really affecting you, then find something different to do. If you overstated things by saying dread, it's going to be a nice day. There's, there is no such thing as a bad day on the golf course. This one from the 636, Randy, I intentionally scheduled my wisdom teeth removal for Monday a few days ago Mm -hmm. so that I could skip Thanksgiving with my in-laws. The problem is I'm starting to feel better, and they're offering to push dinner off until Friday so that I can make it. Do you think I can still milk this until the end of the week? If so, how do I make sure they don't push it back again? Yeah, because Saturday is sitting there. It's just looking you right in the face. And Sunday. Yeah. I think you've got a tough play here. I think you'd just say the teeth are out. I can't chew. Or I, I think if you, so if you really want to get out of it, if you don't want to be around your in-laws, you say, you know what? My teeth are feeling better, but I've kind of lost my sense of taste. Oh, no. Oh, no. <clears throat> I, I think that would be the one. Or just use, hey, 
it's a serious thing. But if ever there was a year to get out of something, it's the rules say that we can't get together as a family. I really apologize. I am feeling a little bit better, and I really appreciate your invitation. But the county says, or the city says, I shouldn't get to, the CDC says, I should not get together with my family. That's what the recommendation of our government is. And so this year, I really appreciate the offer, but I can't make it. Also, what's it called when you get your wisdom teeth pulled and there's there's an issue afterwards? Not impacted. What's the thing called where you get something in, in your tooth? I've never had my wisdom teeth pulled. I don't Neither know. Neither have I. But I know people that have the... whatever. Six, five, seven, eight, oh. Yeah, people will know what I'm talking about. There's something um, that's a problem that can happen after you get them pulled. It's a, it's a blood thing. And you could always say, hey, I think I've got that. Can't come. Yeah. I, I think I would just go with the, the CDC guidelines here. I think that's the easiest play this year. Dry socket. Dry socket, okay. Dry socket. Just be like, oh, man, I got a dry socket. Can't come. So you've already used your wisdom teeth. And if they're willing to move it back, I think that would be the play. I'd really like to, but don't milk. Here's my thing. Don't milk the wisdom teeth too much because if they've had their wisdom teeth taken care of, they'll be on to you. Okay, let's run through. And your wife will say, why don't you like my parents? Oh, yeah. You don't want to have that no. combo. You don't want to have that combo. Okay, let's run through a couple more quickly, Randy. This one from the 636. Dear Uncle Randy, my daughter is hosting our small family dinner for Thanksgiving. I plan to bring my space heater and eat in her garage. I'm 70 and a bit grumpy. What do I say, if anything, as an excuse as to why I want to be in the garage? I think when you reach 70, you just say, I'm 70 and a bit grumpy. I, <laughs> I think that's the, the way to go here. Honesty? Yeah, because... 70 is the cutoff, right, for when men lose their filter. So just say, yeah, I'm 70 and grumpy. And if you want to use afraid, you can use that too because it is an intimate dinner. But just say, I I want to be alone. You can do that. I think I can do that at 58. I think if I wanted to be alone and I was out in the garage with the space heater, I think you just say it and let people deal with it. I also think if my dad showed up to my Thanksgiving that I was hosting with a space heater in tow and said, I have brought my own personalized space heater because I want to eat in the garage alone, I'd say, I respect it. Okay. Right. (laughs) I'll get a pull-out chair for you or something. I'm I'm totally good with that. Now, make sure that you have a TV in the garage, too. That's really important. You just don't want to be sitting in a garage with a space heater but no entertainment. So make a reason. Well, at least have your phone, right? Yeah, download the the Netflix app or something. Well, the, the... Oh, football. Football apps, yeah, duh. yeah, so that you can watch football. Or bring a, a laptop or a something, uh, uh, an iPad, something, so that you can watch the games. Or you know what? Just download the one-on-one ESPN app, and you can Listen. stream Carriker and Smallman, and we'll keep you company in the garage. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right, last one. Dear Uncle Randy, I built my wife a greenhouse last month, and I told her it was her Christmas present. But now that we have a month to go until Christmas, I feel pressure to get her something else. What should I do? No, don't feel pressure. You have done it. You bought her a greenhouse. That's a pretty expensive item. She has what she expects. Maybe you get something small in the $20 for Christmas, but she has her Christmas gift. You know what you could do? This just popped into my head. Okay. Get her a couple of great plants to put in said greenhouse for Christmas. Boom. Easy. Done. Ties it all together. Yep. Go to Home Depot or Menards or Lowe's or whatever where they have some... Great indoor plants, 20 bucks, 25, and use those and start that greenhouse to working. Perfect. Yeah. And congratulations on the greenhouse. That's great. Yeah. You built a greenhouse for your wife, yeah. husband of the year. No doubt. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for asking Uncle Randy. 
Hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. So I, I am uh, I am just so apolitical. I am the most vanilla person in the world if I have to deal with people that are political on oh, pretty much all the time. But. Yeah, we did get another one saying, Dear Uncle Randy, how do I make sure that I don't have any issues at the Thanksgiving table with family members who have opposing political views? What I would do, you're listening to a sports station, so I know that you can do this. Turn everything back to sports. Mm. If you're going to have an argument, Amazing. make it make it be. If they want to argue, argue about sports. Argue about how bad the NFL is. You know, if, if direct your anger there. Argue about whether or not the Cardinals should keep Carlos Martinez. Argue about <laughs> whether or not the Cardinals should keep Mo. Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright. Yep, There's right. a lot of decisions on the table. Yep. And everybody, if you're in St. Louis, everybody's going to be talking about. Everybody's going to know about the Cardinals. So make it a sports conversation. And if anybody wants to talk politics, say, come on, that's over. Let's talk about the 2021 baseball season. Also, there's going to be football on the TV, to your point. Just be like, wow, how bad are the Lions? <laughs> yeah, Just you, say that for a good two hours. Yeah, exactly. Coming up, as we approach Thanksgiving, we all have our favorite side dishes for Thanksgiving. Michelle and I are going to give you our Thanksgiving sides power rankings next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 101 ESPN, Character and Smallman power rankings for Thanksgiving sides. Bruh. All right, we're each going to provide our top five. You can tell us if we're idiots or if we're right on. Michelle will have her top five first. Number five. Okay, Randy, this is kind of the unsung hero of the Thanksgiving plate. There are certain sides you know are early draft picks, other that are mid to low round picks that still deliver for you. Sometimes you hit on a Tom Brady in the sixth round. Mm. And that's why with my number five slot, the Thanksgiving sides power rankings. I'm going with the bread option. Rolls, cornbread, whatever sort of bread you have in a basket that's somehow in the middle of the table and that can get overlooked. That ends up being a major vehicle for you later in the meal. Once you're towards the end there, you might need something to do a little scarpetta, so scoop it up, get mm. some of your, your dressing or your stuffing on there. The roll always comes in clutch or cornbread, whatever you have there. So I'm going number five, the bread option. Okay, there's one out of five with carbs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're going to get some more. Number four. Number four for me, Randy, we need something green on the plate. I, do we? I personally do not like green bean casserole because I don't like mushrooms. And oftentimes it's made with mm. cream of mushroom. So I'm going with Brussels sprouts. And hold up. We're like, Michelle, Brussels sprouts, gross. The way that we do it is a cacho y pepe Brussels sprout. Mm. So it's a shaved Brussels sprout. You got some Pecorino Romano cheese in there, a little salt, a little pepper, mix it up. It's basically cheese with some green in there. So I'm going Brussels sprouts number four. Very Italian so far. Very Italian so far. Number three. Randy, we're going sweet potato casserole here. Ooh. Number three, you need some more carbs. You need you need some sweetness, so you got the sweet potato casserole. And let's be real, there's mushroom er, mushrooms. There's marshmallows on top of it. There's marshmallows on top. How can you have Thanksgiving without a sweet potato casserole with with marshmallows on top? That's coming in at number three. Nice call. Thank you. Number two. Number two for me, and I don't know. This is very specific to my Thanksgiving. But I think people have a version of it on their table as well. 
I'm going an all gratin potato casserole with cornflakes on top. Really? So all gratin this is potatoes. An upset. Yeah, <laughs> it's not if you've had it. Trust me. So you know you get the potatoes in there, cheese, egg, butter, maybe you know some whipping cream, all the good stuff to make it heavy and cheesy and potatoey. And then a lot of people put breadcrumbs on the top. My family uses cornflakes, which provides like a it. perfect golden crispy crunch on the top. So we're going all gratin potato casserole with corn. Flakes number two. Okay. Number one. There's no other number one pick. This is the Joe Burrow of the draft. This is the Andrew Luck of the draft. Whatever quarter franchise quarterback you want to look at and say, this is somebody we've got to take, it's dressing. It's stuffing. There's no other option here. You get a little pieces of Italian bread. You put it in there. My family uses a spicy Italian sausage in the mix as the well. The Italian seems to be a theme here. It is a theme. And I just think when you look at the turkey and you say, okay, this is clearly going to be the centerpiece here, the next thing you go for is the dressing or the stuffing, whatever you're family calls it. That's the next move you make, so it has to be number one in the Thanksgiving side power rankings. Very interesting. And somewhat surprising. Is it? Kind of, yeah. I, uh, the Agratins really caught me, because I thought we might go mashed potatoes. Because you were potatoes. just really impressed with the pick? Because it's better than mashed potatoes? Uh, Well, <laughs> I think you'll learn something here. <laughs> Can I make a prediction? Yes. You are going to have cranberry sauce out of a can on your power rankings. That's, that's pretty, my, that's my prediction. prediction. That's my prediction. All right. Number five. All right. For Randy's pot, top five, I'm going to go a little bit more specific. You had bread in a basket. Joe makes these spectacular pumpkin muffins Ooh. that are fantastic. So I'm going to go with uh, those pumpkin muffins as my number five. And I do put a little uh, soft honey butter on them. They're sensational. Now, you have this at the meal and not for breakfast is what you're telling that's me. That's correct. Breakfast at our house on Thanksgiving Burritos, is right? a breakfast burrito. Yeah, right? that's right. But yeah, the pumpkin muffins are great. What a curveball there. I would never think to put a muffin on the table, but anything with honey butter, I'm in. Yeah, they're fantastic. Number four. Number four, Michelle. Cranberry sauce from a can. Now, with cranberries. <laughs> I know. Cranberry sauce from a can. Yeah, How did but, I know? But it's not the, the jellied stuff, which I love. Oh, I adore. I hate that. Grizzlies baseball on the Grizzlies Radio Grizzlies Radio Network. Grizzlies Grizzlies Radio Grizzlies. Network. Oh, how about that? We got that. Shout out to the Grizzlies. Yeah. <laughs> they're still around. They're good. They're playing right now, but they're, they're going good. Uh, there we go. There the tunes go. are back. So cranberry sauce with cranberries. Actual cranberries. It's it's delicious. The cranberry sauce from a can, I could get on board with it because I like the flavor of cranberry, but the sound it makes when it plops out of the can is enough oh. to turn me. <laughs> Randy, no. It's enough to make me nauseous and never want to eat it. It's just, it slides so carefully and then goes, it's sickening. Okay, Michelle, perhaps the biggest upset of the day here. Stuffing at number three. What? Now, sage is a key ingredient. You have chopped green pepper. You have chopped onion, chopped celery, about a cup of each, and then two big bags of sage croutons, and then like a cup and a half, two cups of water, and mix it all together. So it, it's great, but I think we have it number one only because we only have it once or twice a year. If it was that great, we'd have it more. Okay, but you put cranberry in a can on your list, and we're definitely not having that outside of this one day in November oh, every year. You have cranberry sauce in a can more than once a year? Yeah. We have what other day? Quite often. Give me I one would, other meal. I, I would say once a week. 
We you do. do not have cranberry in a can once a week. There's no way. Yes, we do. What? Okay, so you're saying, hey, it's taco night. Let's also throw a can- cranberry sauce in a well, can on the table. Not necessarily taco night. But yeah, we do. <laughs> Here, I, I can prove this to you. Are you single-handedly supporting the cranberry in a can industry? We we very other well could of be that, that might be the case. Hold on here, <laughs> um, hold on. Okay, we we've got some work to do here, but we we'll, we will. Um, <laughs> you don't believe me that we do this, do you? I have no no. I've never known anyone else outside of one day in November to say, "Hey, you know what I'm craving tonight? Cranberry sauce in a can." Hey, it's me, and uh, we're <laughs> we're on the air here. Do we? How often do we have cranberry sauce in a can? Probably every two weeks. Oh See? Okay. J- Michelle didn't believe that. She thinks that we're supporting the entire cranberry industry. So <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to prove that. Thank you very much. I love you. Sure. Okay. Okay, <laughs> See? Every two weeks. So there you go. Next time that your family decides to do a meal with cranberry sauce on the table, will you please text me the menu? I'm going to send you a picture, I too. I can't yeah. wait. I'm yeah. so surprised by this. So Yeah, it happens. Okay, so uh, <laughs> stuffing number three. Really good stuffing. Okay, Michelle. Uh, number, number two. There we go. Candied yams. I'm with you. The, with the oh, marshmallows. Yeah. yeah the, the sweet potato casserole. That, that's a must. And then my. Number one. And it's not just any mac and cheese. It's the salt and smoke mac and cheese that oh. salt and smoke makes. If you just Google salt and smoke mac and cheese, you can get the recipe STL today. Ran it a couple of years ago. And the sm- salt and smoke mac and cheese is absolutely delicious. So that's my number one. That is a strong play. I've never had the salt and smoke mac and cheese. You rave about it. I need to try it. That is something that we haven't had on our Thanksgiving table, and I need to start lobbying for it because everybody that has mac and cheese at Thanksgiving says it's a game changer. But I just, I think it, it's something that you need to make sure you do right. Like a four cheese mac and cheese, you need to bake it correctly. Right. And I don't know if anyone in my family has wanted to have that be their undertaking because if you mess that up, it's a big deal. Now, we did get a text, 65780, and I can tell you what happened here uh, from the 314. Can we discuss that mac and cheese is not a Thanksgiving side? Thanks. It hasn't always been at our household either, but Mizzou moved to the SEC. There you go. And if you go to SEC country, mac and cheese is a Thanksgiving side. That's right. So once that move was made for the 2012 season, then mac and cheese became an official side for Thanksgiving here in Missouri. So you've got big boy football and you've got a big boy Thanksgiving table. Right. There yeah, you go. It changes. Other texts. Uh, when I was 18, I went to a friend's for Thanksgiving and offered to bring something. They said, bring cranberry sauce. So it went all out. Interneted and found potatoes topped with the cornflakes are called. Oh, no, that's, no, a that's different. different. One. Oh, and uh, fo- yeah, found the canned stuff. Well, this is from the 618. I, I was messed up here, wasn't I? No, here, I got it. Okay, when I was 18, it. I went oh. to a friend's house for Thanksgiving. I offered to bring something. They said bring cranberry sauce. So I went all out, went to the internet, and found a really good recipe, made it from scratch. The family was disappointed. They had assigned me to bring cranberry sauce from the can. And they See? said they were looking forward to the canned stuff. They they want the plop. They like the plop, Michelle. I guess. You like the plop, too. Yeah, it's every couple of weeks. See? <laughs> Somebody said from the 314, I'm never going to Carriker's house for Thanksgiving. Well, you're going to miss out. The Traeger turkey, the salt and smoke mac and cheese, the cranberry sauce, the stuffing. It's not like we don't have the stuffing. It's just not number one on the list. And it's delicious.
May I suggest you do what my family does? If you throw that spicy Italian sausage in there, it gives it a little kick, takes it up just another level. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. I would go with that. The problem is, is that I don't have a sausage family. I don't have. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're. Uh, right. I have a uh, poultry fish family that doesn't do a lot of red meat or right. pork. That's hard. That's difficult. We're going to have a quick take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, we welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Michelle, did you see the sad news that Khloe Kardashian is not going to uproot herself from L.A. and move to Boston with Tristan Thompson? I did not see that news, Randy. I did not. Yeah, Khloe plans on making extended visits to Boston with her two-year-old to see the, the two-year-old's daddy, but L.A. is going to remain home. Wow. Take It or Leave It. Tristan will have no trouble finding a couple of gals in Boston. I'm going to take that. <laughs> if history has shown us anything. We know. He is capable of finding companions on the road. Multiples. <laughs> <laughs> Man, take it or leave it. She's stressed out that he's going to be playing somewhere else. I'm going to leave it. There's a lot of basketball players. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> she can buy one. Okay, Randy, take it or leave it. Wearing jeans to Thanksgiving, always a bad play. I'll take that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a day of sweats, isn't it? It's a day of loose-fitting clothing. You sometimes want to wear jeans and a sweater, mm-hmm. look presentable. It's a holiday, after all. It's a holiday. You're gathering with your family. Photos may be taken. But inevitably, usually around like 4.30, 5 o'clock, you're like, this was a mistake. These jeans, mistake. Right, because you get to that time of day, and that's a uh, second or third slice of pie. <laughs> What time do you guys eat? Usually late afternoon, like 3 o'clock. Yeah, usually we start at like 5.30. Okay. You know? Yeah, I'm usually able Second NFL game. Yeah, it's during the second NFL game. Usually I watch the... For whatever reason, we end at the stupid halftime show that Jerry has. So unnecessary. It is. On Thanksgiving. I also wonder what the attire is going to be like for people this year because it's 2020. We're living in sweatpants anyway. People haven't worn real pants in a long time. Yep. It's probably more of a limited gathering if you That's are getting thing. together with family. It just seems like all pretense is out the window. It's like, you know what? If you're going to show up, show up as you. Just wear some sweatpants. Let's hang out. Yeah. If it's your nuclear family, as the suggestions say, just the people that live in your house, then yeah, just wear what you wear every day. And be as comfortable as you possibly can. That's right. Scotty, what do you got for us? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, and we won your take it or leave it to the text line from the 636. Take it or leave it. Anything that sounds Italian is delicious. I'll take that. Yeah, of course. Affogato. Mm-hmm. Passa con pesce. It's just in the cadence. Yeah, it is. I love it. And gelato. <laughs> gelato. Due scoops. Two. <laughs> Okay. Uno, due, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> From the three and four. Guys, do you guys have to stay at the kitchen or the, at the dining table after you're done eating? Does everyone stay there? Or are you free to leave whenever you can go? I'm usually the first to start cleaning up dishes and preparing to uh, get the dessert on the table. Good play. But I do believe that 
it's no, I'm not going to say what people should or should not do, but yeah, generally we kind of hang out at the table for a little while, but not very long. Yeah, we do the meal, we do the dessert. Everyone's at the table, and then usually everyone hangs out at the table, glass of wine. Sometimes we play a game, mm-hmm. um, and then everyone will gradually retweet, retreat. Excuse me, not yeah. not retweet. We're not on social. <laughs> we will retreat to the couches. And settle in for the game. The, the football is always on. We put it on mute during the meal, but the football is on and within your periphery vision. Is it okay? Good. And then once dessert happens, it's usually when the unmute button goes off and people are listening to football. People are kind of migrating in and out after uh-huh. dessert, but most people stay at the table. And I think with us just having four tomorrow, we might not even use the formal dining room. We might just go right into the regular kitchen area, the, the dining area, and not even use the formal dining room. Why mess it up? You know what? Why not just go crazy and eat on the couch? It's not a bad play. <laughs> you not know, you're wearing play. sweatpants. Yeah. Just get your plate, chill on the couch. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Take It or Leave It. From the 913, Take It or Leave It. After hearing the news on Randy, it worked out for the Cardinals. Had he been on the cards, I feel they would have moved on from him after hearing this since trading him. They weren't a fan of his personality and things he's been involved in. So better we get a top prospect instead of nothing. He's caring about kids. His own kid. Yeah. Why would you not want somebody who's concerned about the well-being of their child? I think the Cardinals are all over that. They're all about family. It's baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet down there. Chevrolet. <laughs> Used to be a song uh, yeah. back in the day. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Is that baseball, another T-Pain song? Dog. No, that was a uh, Chevrolet ad. Commercial. Oh, nice. Um, I also think had Randy A. been with the club and shown even a smidge of the promise that we saw with him on the Rays in the postseason, that the talent involved, he would have been, by a landslide, the most exciting thing on this Cardinals team this past year. So I think the Cardinals would have done their due diligence in finding out what happened with the situation. Thank you, Scotty. You got it. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. We are looking for a fighter in the 4 o'clock fight. And if you'd like to participate in a half hour, all you need to do is, again, use the text line 65780, text your name and the word fight, and Scott will choose one texter, and we will have a fighter at 8.30. But coming up next, Dabo Swinney's still not happy. Shouldn't he be moving on to his next game? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 8.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Character, and Michelle can we officially say that we've got beef between Florida State and Clemson? I think it's official, Randy. I think it is. So Florida State's doctors get together with Clemson's doctors on Saturday. Florida State decides they don't want to play in the game because of COVID-19 concerns. Dabo Sweeney goes crazy. He says, hey, as far as I'm concerned, they forfeited this game. This game was only this game wasn't uh, canceled because of COVID. It was canceled because they didn't want to play us. Here is Florida State coach Mike Norvell. Everyone here you know, wanted to, 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 was excited about it and wanted the opportunity to go out there and compete. Um, the protocols and procedures that are in place to, to ensure the, the health and well-being of our student-athletes is something that we, you know, we don't take lightly. There was, you know, every player, every coach, I mean, there was an excitement about, you know, the week that it, that it, that it led up to the game and the opportunity that was in front of us. And, uh, you know, we're competitors. That is, that is the reason why, you know, we have things set up the way that they're set up. 
you know, football coaches are not doctors. Uh, some of us might think that uh, that, that we are, but uh, there's uh, you know there's a reason why uh, the, those those advisors and, and uh, are able to make the decisions from the information that is provided. So, Coach Sweeney, Mike Norvell says coaches aren't doctors. Your response? I, I mean, we're not doctors. I'm not trying to be a doctor. I just listen to the doctors. You know, uh, so you know, listen. I, I'm not really worried much about what they say down there in Tallahassee, uh, that's for sure. You know, I've been in this league 18 years. I've been the head coach here 12, all right? Uh, you know, they've had three head coaches in four years. So decisions that, that they make, you know, I'm not going to worry about advice from Tallahassee. Uh, I trust the people here, and uh, I trust our doctors 100%. Okay. So unnecessary, Dabo. So unnecessary. I know you're upset that you and your team prepared for a week and the game didn't happen. I know that you're upset that Clemson incurred a $300,000 loss because you traveled to Tallahassee and the game didn't play. I know you're upset because you lost to Notre Dame and you really need more wins to pad your resume. I understand all of those things. But did you really have to take a shot at the program and the head coaches that they've had? This is coming down to a COVID issue. Maybe Florida State didn't want to play the game. But the reason that the game was canceled is because of a positive COVID test from Clemson. It's not as if Florida State just showed up that morning, called up Dabble and said, hey, guess what? We're not going to play today. You know what? We woke up. We're not feeling good. We just we're kind of over it. We're a five touchdown underdog. We don't want to play. This is because we're in a pandemic and someone tested positive and they got the test that Saturday morning and Florida State officials thought the juice was not worth the squeeze. Exactly. Okay, so for and, and you to doctors and the doctors, so for you to be shady about their the state of their program and the head coaches that they've had, great. I hope that made you feel good. I hope that you can look in the mirror and feel so good about the fact that you threw shade on their program. It's just unnecessary, and I think that he needs to take a cue from Elsa from Frozen and let it go. Just let it go. That's what ESPN's Joey Galloway is thinking. Much like I thought about Ed Ogeron earlier in the year and, and Dan Mullen earlier in the year when they made their statements and put football ahead of the situation that we're dealing with at this moment, I think it's a bad look. I, I think that these coaches in this moment, uh, in your chance to lead, uh, when a lot of people are having issues dealing with uh, the COVID situation and the way things are handled and, and the way decisions are made, and you hate to see one of the leaders step out and sort of go against the grain. I thought the same thing about the coaches in the Big Ten when they did it, uh, when their season was in jeopardy. I just think it's a bad look. But it is interesting to me and Coach Sweeney in this situation on a Tuesday talking about Florida State, which is something that is now in their rearview mirror until a game is rescheduled, when they have a game this weekend. And so I would think as a head coach, if your players were addressing something other than the Pitt Panthers on a Tuesday or thinking about something other than the Pitt Panthers on a Tuesday, as a coach, I would think you would think, I want my guys to focus on what we have ahead of us. And a lot of times, especially we in the media, we'll start looking ahead and thinking about what's down the road for certain teams. And these coaches say, no, no, we're focused on the game we have this weekend because that's the most important game. In this situation, that's not being portrayed by Coach Sweeney. He's making it about something that doesn't affect what they do this weekend. And hopefully they're focused and ready to go when they do actually have to play the Pitt Panthers. It's Joey Galloway of ESPN. Michelle, you can't have a villain. And villains are necessary. You can't have a villain in sports if the team is bad. 
college football has a villain in Dabo Sweeney, whether it's whining about not being respected enough mm-hmm. or not being the number one seed or something like this. This is great for college football, and I love it. And he's willing to take on that role. Except I don't think that he thinks he's the villain. That's what's great about it. He's the unwitting villain, if you will. But yeah, I really like Davos Winnie. I love what Clemson is. I love the program that he has built there. It's really impressive what he's been able to do. And as a coach in general, I respect him in a lot of ways. But the act sometimes gets tired. You know what I mean? He's a villain. Exactly. It's It's perfect. And he has made Nick Saban an empathetic figure, somebody that we we like to see win. Nick Saban is our grandpa, and he cares. He cares about his players. He's concerned. He's classy. It grandpa to, Nick. Yeah. It, he used to be the villain, and now he's kind of become the guy that we root for at Alabama, even though he's got a dynasty, and Dabo's run it up on him a couple of times. And Sweeney has become the guy that America roots against. And we all thought that person was going to be Jim Harbaugh, but yeah. Michigan hasn't been good enough. Right, exactly. And Jim would make a, a great, great villain. That's your fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Speaking of Jim Harbaugh, we're going to hear from him next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Well, it is Thanksgiving, and families around America are getting together so that they can celebrate and break bread and enjoy each other's company. And one of those families this year is the Harbaugh family, and things aren't going great for everybody. But we thought, because they have games and they did theirs early, that we would kind of eavesdrop on the Harbaugh Thanksgiving. It's time for another episode of Holidays at the Harbaugh's, starring... John, Jim, Jackie, Jack, Joni, Megan, Sarah, Addison, and little lovely Addison. Man, this is the worst Thanksgiving ever. Fans are on me. We can't win a game unless it's triple overtime against Rutgers. We got that dang coronavirus. It sucks. Hey, Mom, can you pass the mashed potatoes? Come on, Jimmy. You guys will turn it around. Look at us. We lost the game. Won three in a row. Just get yourself a quarterback, some great running backs, a big-time defense. Just get them and you'll be fine. Hell, I don't even have a quarterback now, Johnny. Game against Wisconsin, my guy got his bell rung. Don't know if I'll have him this week. Mommy, teacher says every time a Michigan quarterback gets his bell rung, Ohio State beats Daddy again. Addison, shh, not while Daddy's around. Don't worry, Jimmy. Old Pops had eight seasons before he made the playoffs of Western Kentucky. Made it all the way to the quarterfinals, too. Don't worry about it. No pressure. You have a few more years before they'll notice. Guys, this isn't the NFL. I can't just draft players, and it isn't Western Kentucky, Pops. People notice when we don't beat Ohio State. Did you see what they wrote when we lost to Indy freaking Anna? Then we allow 49 to Wisconsin. (sighs) Does anybody need anything passed to them? No, Uh, we're good. We're good. good. Thank you. I wanted to talk to you about Indiana, Jimmy. Tom got fired by them. He's kind of ticked you didn't beat him in football. Indiana isn't supposed to be a football school. (laughs) Joni, blame Tom for that, not Jim. I need to get some tough guys on defense. I need some guys with attitude, but I can't get those guys to Michigan. Too many question marks, too rough around the edges. Jimmy, defensive guys are all rough around the edges. Yeah, 
I had a defensive guy that murdered a couple of guys, stabbed him. Allegedly. And he was wearing a white suit when he did it. I need a guy like that. Maybe you're overthinking this, Jimmy. Have you thought about going with flat front khakis rather than pleated? Maybe getting them at Macy's instead of Walmart? I tell you what, Jimmy. Take some of that cash they've given you. What is it? 50 million so far? Here's what we did at Western Kentucky and Western Michigan. We just paid our guys. That's how we had those good years at the end. Gave them cash. I don't know, guys. Not at Michigan. Tom told me they used to pay their basketball players at Michigan. Had these guys, Weber, Rose, Howard King, Jackson, they won all the time. And Michigan paid them. But they got caught. They had to take their banners down. Their wins didn't even count. Who cares? We'll be gone by the time they take any banners down. At least that's what I thought about Western Kentucky. Good point. Urban Meyer did okay having Aaron Hernandez on his team. Had five, six arrests a year. They were winning the SEC. He had to be paying guys, right? Maybe you guys are onto something here. See, Jimmy, it's not that bad. You have so much to be thankful for. Even though your team is terrible, you have our support. We love you and will support you win or tie. Grandma, Mommy says whenever a doorbell rings, the police are at the door and one of Daddy's players is in trouble. That's right, Megan. That's right. So this is what I'm headed for? Yep. When you're where you are, winning comes with a price. But be thankful. You could be coaching the Lions, right? You know, John, you're right. It could be worse. I've been looking at this all the wrong way. I've been around six years and can stick around if I want to. In fact, who's got it better than us? Nobody. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Join us next time for another of Holidays at the Harbaugh's. And scene. John Harbaugh, played by Scott Manziara. Jackie Harbaugh and Joni Crean, played by Michelle Smallman. And by the way, Joni Crean is John and Jim Harbaugh's sister and the wife of Tom Crean. Therefore, he's the guy that made Indiana a football school. Jack Harbaugh, played by Mike Ryder. Great, awesome job by Mike Ryder. Yes. And Megan and Addison, played by Anna Pagano. Killed it. Was awesome. So how about that Harbaugh family? Can you imagine them getting together for a holiday? I, mean, I can't. Obviously, they do. They have some football to worry about this year. Yeah. But probably very intense, very competitive. I, we get texts from the uh, text line 65780 314. This is the freaking best. I like that. I like, we were glad that you like our plays. We haven't done that in a while. We no. used to do Fastlane Theater all the time we back need in the to day. Do, yeah, we need to do character and Smallman skits. We need to come up with a name for it. And thanks to Mike Ryder for doing a great job of putting everything together. He is a wizard with the audio and made everything sound great. Wizard is the appropriate word. He can put anything together. Yeah. And was a great Jack Harbaugh. Oh, yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah. I was like, is that Ryder? Yeah. In my mind. And I went, oh, yeah. That's good. So... Anyway, uh, the guy they were talking about that uh, John Harbaugh had, the defensive player, allegedly, that stabbed a guy was Ray Lewis. I'm just throwing that out there so to add a little perspective oh, so yeah. that you know what was happening in the play. I think most people picked up that it was Ray they okay. were talking about. I mean, you it did say white suit. Uh, from the 314, Smallman sounded like the lady from the Carroll House commercial. That was awesome. <laughs> I like it. 
<laughs> that wasn't what I was going for, but I will accept that. Thank you. That was good. So we have to come up with uh, something before the holidays, for before Christmas, so that we can come up with another play and write it out and provide you with the, the greatest entertainment possible. A skit from Carrick and Smallman. Let Randy flex those creative muscles. Yeah, I was pounding away. I was texting people, asking for ideas. Yeah, Randy wrote the whole the whole script. Yeah. Four minutes. <laughs> the not ready for morning drive players. I like that from the 314. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. No. So that's morning radio. Coming up later in the show at 930. And by the way, it's 830 fight. I may have said 4 o'clock fight. Because I'm thinking about other stuff. But multiple people said I did. And we aren't going to wait till 4 o'clock so that you can fight. We're going to do it at 8.30. But at 9.30, we want you to get your mic drops in with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. Download the 101 ESPN app. It don't cost nothing. And Samantha Wolf from Butterball is going to join us. Whatever question you might have about preparing your turkey tomorrow, you can ask Samantha Wolf, and she'll have an answer for you because she is the Butterball expert. And there are no wrong questions here. If you want to know about do I put stuffing in the bird, Go for it. If you want to know about should I brine the turkey, when should I brine the turkey, what kind of brine should I use, send them in because we are the vehicle to get those questions answered. And you have never had to prepare a turkey. Is this correct? No, thankfully, because it is. I can't even imagine how stressful it is to be the person in charge of the bird. It's really not bad. My dad has done it my entire life. He takes great care. With the bird. I mean, this is, he's preparing days in advance, gets up early. He's constantly opening the oven, checking it out. Mm. You know, very, very concerned that it's going to come out correctly. Because think about it. Thanksgiving is centered about, around one thing, and it's the turkey. It is. Mike Ryder has never done one until this year. And one of the advantages that you have now is YouTube. There are yes. so many instructions on YouTube. If you use those, you're in great shape. But you're going to get some great ideas from Samantha Wolf coming up at 930. But coming up next year on 101 ESPN, and by the way, this suggestion, do the Mannings. That would be pretty fun. Peyton, Cooper, Eli, Archie. Yeah. Olivia. We might do that. Okay. And the the young quarterback, the young hotshot quarterback, Arch. That's I think a stud, that's Cooper's apparently. son. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we'll do that. That's a good idea. Thank you very much for the ideas to the 65780 Air Comfort Service text line. Next up, it's The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drama. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 831 in the morning on this Wednesday. The time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it is time for the fight. The final fight of the week. A big one. Heading into a long holiday weekend. A lot of time to have uh, some confidence for our fighter today or for Randy to go into Thanksgiving with a nice W. I think even if Randy took the L, he can go into the holiday with some confidence. But imagine being our fighter and being able to sit down at the Thanksgiving table and brag about beating Randy Carricker in the fight. And that's the opportunity that lays before our fighter, Jimmy. Jimmy, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. Are you excited to take on Randy and potentially get to brag to your family members at Thanksgiving that you beat him in the fight? 
I'm excited, but I'm also nervous that I'll get smoked. <laughs> but you know what, but, Jimmy? Yeah. If you get smoked, you can tell your family members that it was someone else. It wasn't you. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Jimmy Jones or something. That's right. It was, it was Jim, not Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jimmy. Perfect. Here we go. Question number one. What number did Randy Arosa... What number did Randy Arosarena wear when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals? Was it 56, 66, or 76? I believe that's 56. Question number two, Jimmy. Which team won the first ever college football playoff back in 2015? Was it Alabama? Was it Ohio State? Or was it Clemson? Ohio State. Question number three for you, Jimmy. Which NFL team has the most wins on Thanksgiving? Is it the Lions? Is it the Cowboys? Or is it the Packers? I say the Cowboys. Final question for you, Jimmy. Tonight, the college basketball season tips off. Which active college basketball coach has the most national title wins? Is it Coach K, Roy Williams, or Jim Calhoun? Coach K. Okay, we're checking our score here. Randy's on his way in. Scott, I like how instead of saying Mike Sushevsky, you said Coach <laughs> K and gave the other full names of the coaches. <laughs> yeah, Sushevsky uh, is a little uh, tougher to say than Coach K. So, I think we've said it enough at this point, though. Mike Sushevsky, I bet Randy could spell it. Can you sh- spell Sushevsky? K-R-Z-Y-Z-E-W-S-K-I? Nailed it. Was that one of the questions? Unfortunately, Randy, you do not get a bonus point for being able to show Spells Trzewski. Okay, Randy, please say good morning to Jimmy, your opponent. Jimmy, good morning. How are you doing? Oh, good, Randy. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing, and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, You too. You as well. Thank you. If your name is Trzewski, you know when you were a kid and you had to take tests and you had to write your name in the corner all the time or on your homework? It's a lot of time spent writing. He used to do... Bud Light commercials. Do you remember those? And uh, there was a driver. He comes into the airport and the driver's holding up a sign that says, Coach Krychewski? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, how many teachers do you think got that wrong? Every one of them. Every one of them. <laughs> Every single one yeah. of them when they're reading out the They names. had trouble with character. Did they? Oh, man. Car Cracker and Car Cracker. Car Cracker. Yeah, I got all of them, yeah. <laughs> okay, Mr. Car Cracker, let's see how you do in the fight today. Uh, question number one. What number did Randy Rosarena wear when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals? He was the same number as his hero, Yasiel Puig, 66. Question number two, Randy. Which team won the first ever college football playoff back in 2015? College football playoff 2015. Was that the Cardale Jones? The default here, obviously, is Alabama. Um, and I just have my ears messed up. But I'm going to go with uh, that being the Cardale Jones Ohio State team. Randy, which NFL team has the most wins on Thanksgiving? It's got to be the Lions because they've played for like 60 years. And the actually the last non-Dallas or Detroit Thanksgiving game was here in St. Louis. 1977 when the Dolphins beat the Cardinals 55-14. Shout out to our team. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of games. O.J. Simpson played here in 1976, I believe it was. So O.J. was my guy as a kid, and my oh. dad took me to the game. And Jim Braxton, their fullback, ran for something like 169 yards, and O.J. ran for like 50. And the 
Bills won it 32 to 14. But the last game that wasn't played in Dallas or Detroit on Thanksgiving was here, 77. Randy OJ was your guy? Oh, yeah. He was the guy. When I was a kid, it was unbelievable. He was the most popular athlete in America. I remember watching the 30 for 30 oh, when yeah. they really did a deep dive yeah. on that. Because obviously, that was before my time. But so so how shocked were you when you got the OJ news? Oh, Blown away? I could not believe it. Because he was also, you know, he was working with Costas at the time on yeah. NBC. Nicest guy in the world. Who would have thought? Apparently not the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> Hopefully, he's not making the uh, Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah, right. Speaking of carving knives. Randy! Question number four, oh, question number four, Scott. Let's just move it on. But, uh, three or four? Four. Okay. Yeah, final four. one. Okay, three was who's uh, won the most games on yeah, Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah, that's right. I said the Lions. Yeah, we, we somehow went from who won the most games on Thanksgiving to Randy Loves OJ. I'm going to go with 37, 40, and two. <laughs> okay. That's what no, you said. That. <laughs> 37, 40, and wow. two. Got it. All right. <laughs> right, Jimmy. Why? <laughs> final question for you, Randy. <laughs> Tonight, the college basketball season tips off. Which active college basketball coach has the most national title wins? Krzyzewski does. We have got a winner. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker! Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Somehow, somehow, Randy didn't let the fact that his childhood hero, OJ, <laughs> turned out to not be a hero, turned out to be a villain, and he was able to get all four correct. Sorry, Jimmy, he beat you four to two. So, yes, it was oh, Jim that did the fight, if your family asks, right? Uh, not a problem. I mean, I, when he spelled out Krzyzewski, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> Good point. Good point. And when he tried to give the record for the Lions on Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. But let's give the answers here. Randy Rosarena did wear number 66 when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals. It was was Ohio State, Randy, that won the first ever college football playoff back in 2015. The Buckeyes beat Oregon 42-20. to The NFL team that has the most wins on Thanksgiving is the Lions. Randy said they had 37 wins. They do have 37 wins. They played 79 consecutive games on Thanksgiving. Wow. 37-40-2 is their record. They, I looked, somehow, I, for whatever reason, I looked it up. Uh, within the last few days. And you retained it. There you go. Tonight, the college basketball season does tip off. Illinois, number eight Illinois, by the way, taking on North Carolina A&T. The Atlanta are going to smoke the Aggies. T- tonight, today, Randy, starts Illinois' march towards the national championship. Yes. <laughs> this will be the greatest year to have it, too. Yeah, that's right. When the fans can't fully enjoy it. Anyway, it is Mike Krzyzewski or Coach K. As the active college basketball coach with the most national title wins, he has five. The most recent one being back in 2015. So it's been a minute. Maybe he's due. Who knows? I would say he is. Anyway, Jimmy, thank you so much. Not this year. Illinois is going to take the crown. I'm projecting it into the universe. (laughs) Jimmy, thanks for playing and happy Thanksgiving. Oh, you too, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate it. By the way, speaking of those Cardinals teams from the 70s that I went and saw, Joe Gibbs turns 80 today. The most underrated coach in maybe the history of the league. Won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks as a head coach. And obviously participated in a lot of winning here. Back in the day, when the Don Coriel staff dissipated, and Joe Gibbs, I think, wound up going to Tampa for a year before he went to San Diego, uh, Mizzou had fired their head coach. And they were looking for a new head coach. And the athletic director at the time came to Jack Buck and said, hey, you got any ideas for a head coach for us? And Jack said, well, actually, I've got a couple. And they both really want the job. One of them was Joe Gibbs. 
The other one was Dan Reeves. And obviously, Dan Reeves winds up coaching in four Super Bowls. Joe Gibbs winds up coaching in four and winning three. And Mizzou decided that they would go with Warren Powers instead. Oh, okay. So, man alive. But uh, happy birthday to Joe Gibbs. Yeah. In addition to being a great football coach, a great leader of his NASCAR team, too. And 80 years old. How do you think they look back on that decision, Mizzou? Uh, They probably are not too upset with it. No, I'm sure. Only eight Super Bowl appearances by those two coaches. Yeah, no big deal. Coming up, we're going to talk to Rick Horton, our friend and broadcaster for the Cardinals on KMOX and FS Midwest. Ricky, talking some Cardinal baseball next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and wish a happy Thanksgiving to our friend Ricky Horton, broadcaster for the Cardinal Network on KMOX and FS Midwest. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Uh, Good morning and happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Good to be with you. Hey, I want to start with this because you've been around this team for such a long time and you know the impact that a guy like Adam Wainwright has. And it kind of looks now that the Braves signed Charlie Morton like Waino will be back. But can you just give us an idea from the other pitcher's perspective how important Adam Wainwright is to that staff? You know, you know, I've been thinking a lot uh, this this off season about how uh, one of the issues that players had during 2020 is the fact that they weren't even together very much. Think about you know uh, all the all the COVID stuff that we've been dealing with, but the fact that they couldn't even really spend a lot of time uh, with each other. And I think you learn more from your teammates in, in some cases than you learn from coaches. I really do at the big league level. And when you've got a guy like Adam Wainwright, he's the supreme teacher. And and, it, and I'm not that's not a knock on coaches, but I, but I really do think that your teammates become a great barometer for, for where you're going, what you need next, and it can be said in a way that you take it better. Uh, and I think Wainwright's that kind of guy to have uh, in your clubhouse, uh, maybe, maybe the best kind of guy to have in your clubhouse. You could really say the same thing, Rick, about Yadier Molina. He's a guy that provides a lot of stability and a lot of mentorship to a lot of other players as well. So where are you at on the scale of Yadi returning to St. Louis or going elsewhere? What's your gut telling you? Well, my my gut telling is telling me that he won't, and I don't really like listening to my gut in this case. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, only because I just think some team's going to say, "Look, this guy is just too valuable right now, uh, and could be the one missing piece for us to turn our pitching staff around." So, so the Cardinals have had great pitching. We know, we know that for a very long time, and you know, Yachty's a part of that. And but there are teams that maybe have underperformed pitching wise and and we're not really used to that on a daily basis eight nine ten runs a game but there are some teams that are that are that that have the offense which maybe we have not had but they don't have the pitching and i think they might see yadi as that boy that missing piece that we'll overspend on and you know again i'm i'm hopeful i'm still hopeful but uh, I think I'm just I'm just I guess a little concerned that some team's going to want him want him more. The other part of this, Rick and uh, John Mozeliak, is great at taking the emotion out of this. But by the time the Cardinals are prepared, I think to win another World Series, I, I kind of don't think Yadi is going to be around. Is that maybe the, the approach the Cardinals need to take? Is get guys ready for when they're ready to win a World Series again? Well, there's always some of that projecting that's going on. And, of course, you've got to make sure that you develop your young talent and don't make them stale. I mean, you know, the, the Cardinals had to move on Carson Kelly because he wasn't getting the opportunity, and Andrew Kisner hasn't had much of a comp- uh, opportunity. Now you've got Ferreira that's close, and maybe the next guy, maybe the next guy that you're going to be really excited about. So th- there's a little piece of that, too, about their their development. But, 
you know, I still think the card, honestly, I mean, as weird as it is, I, I just saw something uh, on, a, on a national publication that predicted the Cardinals to win the Central Division in 2021. And so we're thinking, wait a minute, how, how is that true? But you think about what's going on with the Cubs and the Reds and the Brewers, it's not really that illogical to make that statement. So, so uh, m- maybe the future's more now than we think. And, and I'm not, you know, saying that the Cardinals don't need to do some changes and, and get some development out of players that uh, that, that will be really important. But uh, I'm not taking that out, uh, off the table. Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, Rick, have been the face of the franchise for a long time. These are guys that are ingrained in the Cardinals organization. So if you remo- if you remove them from the team and Colton Wong, so you're you're removing Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, and Colton Wong, who are great defensive players for you. What do you think, or who do you think is the identity of this team? Well, I think the identity almost gets uh, becomes uh, organically. Um, uh, processed and and so it, it's hard to say what you what's actually going to happen and I know and that's the point of your question you know kind of what am I thinking about that but but it, it, sometimes it comes from different places that you would not expect maybe it's maybe it's Paul DeYoung I mean maybe he's the uh, identity of the team uh, maybe it's maybe Dylan Carlson progresses so quickly uh, as Albert Pujols did now we would never have said Albert Pujols would have been the identity of the Cardinals uh, when when he came to spring training wearing number sixty two or whatever number he had but but he certainly became that. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that develops, but, but I think it will develop. And, and clearly part of the identi- identity of the Cardinals right now is that they can flat out pitch. They really can't. Uh, starting rotations going to be solid again, and so is the bullpen. So uh, I think that's a place to start. Rick Horton is with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Rick, I want to ask you about the outfield because obviously we saw – Tyler O'Neill win a gold glove. He can play defensively. We, we know Harrison Bader can play defensively. What have you seen from those two from a positive perspective that leads you to believe that they'll be representative offensive performers? Well, you know, it, I, you see flashes of it. You know, we've seen it, again, spring training, minor leagues, uh, fall, fall, fall league in Arizona for Tyler O'Neill, where he's the best player there. Now, you know, you're, you're reaching back now, but you almost have to reach back now because in my mind, uh, 2020 has been just a goofy season to say, let's hang our hat on. This is exactly who these players are, both good, bad, and indifferent. I think you can, you know, there's an old saying about spring training that, that that can be fool's gold. And I think you can, you can say the same thing about a 58 game schedule uh, to say either, either positive or negative. So uh, I think in, in the case of O'Neill, raw power, Bader has power. They both, they both have terrific speed, good defenders. You know, are, are they, you know, are they are they proven big league hitters right now? No, I mean they're not. Uh, can they be? Yeah, I mean the bat speed's there, uh, the uh, understanding is there. They just got to find their way. And and I, you know, I'm still kind of pulling for those guys as well as Lane Thomas, who was who was just, I mean, it was just an awful year for him. And and, and certainly COVID had a lot to do with that. Rick, Carlos Martinez in the news again. He is mm-hmm. uh, in the headlines for the COVID violations in the Dominican Republic. And if this was an isolated incident, I think people would look at it as a disappointing decision, but they might be able to look past it. But it's just another thing in a long line of instances with Carlos Martinez when he's in the news for the wrong reasons. So what was your reaction when you read this news about Carlos? Well, when I first read the news, I thought, uh-oh, what happened? I mean, you know, Carlos is not a guy that likes to, clearly likes to sit around and watch TV and do crossword puzzles. I mean, he, he's just a fun guy. He's a social guy, and, and that gets him in trouble. And clearly, you know, there's no excuse for, for, for several of the things that, you know, that he's got involved with. But you got to love him. I mean, he's a truly likable guy when you're around him. He really is. And so when I found out what he actually did, I thought, okay, well, maybe wrong place, wrong time. Maybe that lack of judgment. I mean, it wasn't. 
you know, it wasn't some serious, uh, well, it's always serious, of course, when it comes to social distancing, but, you know, this was not a, any kind of a violent situation. It was just kind of a lapse of judgment. So, uh, but, you know, you add up one plus one plus one plus one, and the number starts to get bigger. And so, you know, he's, he clearly has to uh, continue to, to, to work at making changes uh, in his life to, to say that, you know, that, that you're not, we're not going to add one more to this because at some point you, the management gets tired of, uh, tired of dealing with it. From a pitching standpoint, where are you at with Carlos Martinez? Do you have confidence that we're going to see that guy that can be an anchor in the rotation like he claims he wants to be? I'm hopeful for that, but I can't say, boy, I, I'm sure of that. I really can't. You don't know. I mean, he, 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 I think he certainly took some steps backwards last year. Uh, and again, he might be one of those guys uh, like Lane Thomas where, you know, you might, if, if any two players were affected the most physically, I would say those two guys probably were. And, and I don't even know that for a fact, but that's just anecdotally from talking to players. And so if those are the two guys that were physically most affected, you know, maybe that explains why they're most affected in terms of their performance on the field. So again, I don't want to kind of, you know, throw too much water on top of his, uh, his high ceiling, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't count him out, but, but he's going to have to show some things, I think, to regain that, even to be a starter. I mean, the Cardinals have good young starters. I like Woodford. I like Oviedo. And certainly Ponce got better. And, and, uh, and Austin Gomber's been good, really, as long as he's been healthy. So I think there's plenty of good choices in the, in the starting rotation if Carlos doesn't pan out. Rick, all of those guys count on defense, and I get why the Cardinals didn't pick up the option on Colton Wong. Out of 142 qualified hitters, he was number 126 in OPS this past season. So he's probably not a $12.5 million player. But he's all, he was also a key to the Cardinals winning because, like you say, it's a team that can pitch, and they're all about run suppression. If Wong isn't back... Are they going to be able, with Tommy Edmond at second base, to do the things that they did defensively? Well, Tommy Edmond did not have a great year defensively last year. He, he, he was a little fumbly, and and I again, not a lot of extra work, not a lot of extra infield. Not it's not a, it's not a uh, an excuse. It's a reason why guys were not as sharp as they could be. And he also, you know, carried six gloves with him. And and maybe if you just give him one glove and say that's what you're going to do, maybe that you get some increased performance there on the defensive side, but you're not going to replace Colton Long's glove. He's, he's just spectacular at what he does, but I, I think it's fully about economics. Is he worth $12 million in a different year? I'd say yes, mm-hmm. uh, but, but that's the problem. His contract stuck him in a year of a pandemic, and so you know, it's really all about that as far as I'm concerned, and the Cardinals may think they can get you know, four guys that can catch the ball for the same price as one. All right, we got to ask you, is it turkey in the Horton household, and who prepares it? <laughs> okay, so the, the answer is no, because uh, I am a vegetarian. So uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's a lot of vegetables. And uh, this year, the, the wonderful people at Capitol Grill are preparing our Thanksgiving. And I'm going to pick it up. We've done that for the last four years since we're empty nesters, and, and we've loved it. We usually dine in, but now we're dining out, and... Uh, we just uh, kind of, Ann and I just enjoy, uh, enjoy the holiday being together and, and talking to our kids on Zoom. So that's, that's our plan. <laughs> that's fantastic. Rick, have a great Thanksgiving. We always appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Good to be with you. Happy Thanksgiving. See you. That is our friend Rick Horton joining us on 101 ESPN. So he's one of the people that agrees. In 2021, as much as we like Colton Wong, the guy, and as great as he is defensively, winning back-to-back gold gloves at second base, mm-hmm. he's just not a $12 million player. I would hope that the Cardinals can bring him back for 
a lesser salary. And there was a report that he turned down a, a multi-year offer from the Cardinals. But I would think two years, $7 million, mm-hmm. that's probably about where his game is right now. That's probably about the price that he's the market is going to be for him and what he's worth as a baseball player. Based on the money he was supposed to get, I'm sure he thought he could command more Mm -hmm. on the market. But to your point, looking at the financial landscape of baseball right now and the way that the position is being valued, I'm sure he's getting a dose of reality in a way that the numbers might not be where he expected them to be. And it's, it's a weird year. And maybe he'll look at his options and say, yeah, the stability of playing in an organization that I know and a manager I I know and a team that I love uh, provides more value for me in one way than it does maybe taking a little bit more money elsewhere. And maybe because of the years that he got out of that contract, maybe he's looking for the opportunity to win a ring. There you go. At his age, he's 30 now. I know. Maybe he's thinking, okay, I'm on the back end here and I just got non-tendered. They didn't pick up my option. I'm going to go somewhere where I have a really good chance to win a World Series. And I would hope that for him. Next up on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman, it's today's big thing. A lot going on in the NFL. Are we going to have a Thursday night game? We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, those Jaguars, they're really good. (laughs) They're starting Mike Glennon against the Browns on Sunday. Oh, Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon, former Chicago Bear, former Arizona Cardinal, now a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But here is a fun fact for you. This courtesy of Mark Long from the AP. Mike Glennon got benched in 2017 for Chicago's Mitchell Trubisky, who got benched this year for Nick Foles, who got benched last year for Gardner Minshew, who got replaced by Jake Luton, who is now benched in favor of Mike Glennon. Is that the worst bouncing ball ripple effect of quarterbacks you've ever heard? It might be. Mike Glennon, Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew, Jake Luton. Pretty bad. If you had to take one of those guys, if you had to build a team and take one of those guys... To build around, you go in Nick Foles? It is, yeah, Nick Foles, no doubt. And you're just praying that you get the Philadelphia Nick Foles for at least right. a few games? Yeah, and maybe you start your team in Philadelphia. <laughs> but what if it was here in St. Louis? What if they said, oh, hey, the St. Louis we're, Nick Foles. we're going to give you an NFL team, but you have to have one of these quarterbacks for at least three years? I'm going to go with the mustache then. I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew just because he's got a good mustache. And good jorts. Yeah. And a good personality. Yeah, he could put butts in seats. He might not be great all the time, but at least he's got a dynamic personality and he could be entertaining. So I think that's probably the way to go. Yesterday, Michelle, the Cowboys canceled their planned team meeting at 8.05 in the morning and said practice was canceled after their strength and conditioning coordinator, Marcus Paul, was rushed to a local hospital after experiencing a medical emergency, apparently non-COVID related. Terrible news, though. Yeah, hope, yep. hopefully he's okay. And when you hear anything about practice being canceled or facility shutting down, you just assume it's COVID-related. So to get the news that it was a different type of medical emergency, you're thinking, okay, I certainly hope that that individual is okay, but at least it's not affecting the entire team. The Ravens are really affected by COVID-19. They have multiple players on the COVID-19 list, and they're supposed to play tomorrow against the Steelers. Thursday night, Thanksgiving night football. Here is Adam Schefter. 
the game is teetering a little bit because if there are more positive tests out of Baltimore, I'm told that there would be the chance that this game could be postponed. Right now, the league says the game is in place, not going to change. Steelers-Ravens, Thanksgiving night. But let's keep in mind here, over this week, the Ravens have had five players test positive. They've had four staffers test positive. If there are more positive tests, the league is going to have a difficult decision here to make. But at this current time, the Ravens will be without their running backs, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram. They will not have Trace McSorley, it looks like. They will not have Pernell McPhee. And so there are major questions here. And the Ravens have done everything they could to prevent the spread of the virus. But as we've seen across the country, the virus has a mind of its own. And right now, Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reporting that the Ravens very well could fly from Baltimore to Pittsburgh tomorrow during the day rather than traditionally flying in the day before the game. And you're certainly hoping that that happens because that's the marquee matchup that we, we right. want to see on Thanksgiving. It's the nighttime matchup, 7, 7.20, I think, kick central mm-hmm. time. And even though, even though Baltimore doesn't look like the Baltimore team that you were hoping it would be when we knew that this was going to be the Thanksgiving Day matchup. And now, of course, they're dealing with these COVID issues. It's still a rivalry game. It's still Thanksgiving. It's still primetime. And this is a team that, if they can muster it, is probably going to give everything they have to this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Michelle, I know you're really intrigued by the Tom Brady-Bruce Arians relationship. And we have another Bruce Arians comment about Tom Brady after the loss to the Rams on Mm -hmm. Monday Night Football. He said, we have Tom calling a lot of his own plays or picking his own on the sidelines from the game plan. I don't think it's a confidence problem whatsoever. It's not a lack of trust. It's a lack of continuity within the offense of the whole picture. So kind of throwing the play calling on to Brady there. Which I think is interesting because the first time Bruce Arians called out Tom Brady, it was about Mike Evans being open and not being targeted, about bad throws being made. And the way that I interpreted that one was, okay, we know behind closed doors that Bill Belichick was hard on Tom Brady. And maybe he just needs a coach that is is tough on him, that calls him out, that holds him accountable. Maybe that's the environment in which he thrives. Some people just need people to be mean to them, Randy. That's how they respond. And maybe a good coach identifies that and he pushes these buttons but this is just throwing somebody under the bus this is just saying to the media yeah we lost the game and it's not all my fault because tom's going rogue tom's out there on the field he's calling his own plays there's a lack of continuity because it's not the same person with the same big picture vision that's executing things here and the arians philosophy philosophy with Jameis winston and historically with Carson Palmer, too. No risk it, no biscuit. He (laughs) wants to go all out. And then Brady does take the shot downfield at the end of the game, throws the pick, and now, well, he called the play. I didn't. There's a lot of CYA going on here. CYA? Yeah, cover your... Oh, yeah. By by Bruce Arians. And you know what? When you have a 43-year-old quarterback, you can do that. You can just... And I said all along, I thought that Brady was going to Tampa so that he could have some power. And now you've got Arians saying, well... Yeah, he's calling his own plays. He wanted to be Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning probably did that part of the game well, building his own structure rather than dealing with the structure of a coach, which Brady did in New England successfully for such a long time. I wonder how Tom Brady would react to this comment publicly because if it was the the comment about the bad throw he could say yeah it was a it was a bad throw mm-hmm. it's something that I should have executed better but this is almost Arians as you said doing a little CYA and kind of setting the table for the blame game to be placed on Tom in a lot of ways and so I wonder if you're Tom Brady even if it is truth how you react to your head coach airing stuff like that out 
it's different for him, no doubt about it. And I know he's a big boy. He's been in this league a long yep. time. He can handle himself. However, it does seem to be interesting that your head coach would take that route. Bruce Arians, though, is a pretty transparent guy. He's gonna, mm-hmm. he's more open with the media than a lot of head coaches right. are. So it might not even be something malicious here. It might just be him truly answering a question honestly. Finally, Michelle, if the NFL season ended today, the Jets would have the first pick, the Jags would have the second pick, and the Bengals would pick third. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the Jets take Trevor Lawrence if he comes out. I'm thinking the Jags take Justin Fields from the Ohio State, the quarterback. And I'm thinking the Bengals take Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, who is not playing this year. He opted out. But they need to protect their quarterback, Joe Burrow. And they could have a pretty decent pair of tackles. They, they had a first-rounder from two years ago, take another first-rounder this year, and maybe you can protect the guy a little bit better. Yeah, you need to. You need to. And I want to circle back to Trevor Lawrence and the Jets for a second. If you're Trevor Lawrence and you're looking at that situation, Jets, Jags, you don't want to go to either one of those teams, really. You don't want to go to the Jets because you know organizationally it's a hot mess and they're probably going to start a rebuild at some point. And then the Jaguars, again, not great. They're sitting there at one and nine. And I wouldn't want to play for a team that doesn't have a really passionate fan base and maybe has a threat of moving to London in their future. So if you're Trevor Lawrence... Normally, when you know you're going number one overall, you know it's going to be on a bad team. You know mm-hmm. it's going to be a rebuild. You know it's going to be something that you're going to have to endure for a while. But do you really want to be him and go into either one of those situations? No, but you got to come out and play sometime. And you, even if you stick around for another year, you're going to wind up with a bad organization at some point. So you might as well bite the bullet and just hope that when they clear things out in there, that it's a worthwhile situation and maybe they'll luck into a good coach and general manager like the Rams did when they got Dick Vermeil here. That's what he has to hope is that organizationally they can find somebody that has a clue. I would also be hoping that some team would be willing to offer just an unbelievable package to the Jets of picks and, and players and say, listen, you need a lot of help in a lot of different places. We are desperate for Trevor Lawrence. We're going to give you basically whatever you ask for. It'd probably be the biggest haul ever. You're probably talking about, well, look at what the Rams got for the RG3. They've got, they got three number ones, a flip. I, I think you're probably talking about four number ones and multiple number twos and players. One of the lamest things ever was when Jeff Fisher trotted out all the picks for the, mm-hmm. the coin flip versus Washington in that game. It was like, really? They're not that good. This is your flex that you got all of these picks from Washington and these are the guys? It was Chris gonna, Long's idea. Oh, Chris, come on, man. Not great. Yeah, had to do something. <laughs> I guess if it if, if it motivates you, it's okay, and we love Chris Long. But I just remember thinking, is this a troll job that's backfiring yes. in real time? Yeah. In real time. Yeah, it was interesting to watch. Yeah, Fisher had a lot more ego than he probably should have. He thought he was better than he really was. I think he might still. He thinks he's coming back, Randy. Yeah, I know. Do you think he still thinks that? Do you think Jeff Fisher goes to family Thanksgiving and he's like, just waiting it out, definitely going to get another head coaching job soon? Denial is more than just a river in Egypt, Jeff. Do you think the Jets maybe could consider Jeff Fisher? Oh, my. Hey, 7-9 and is better than 0-10. It's true. We've been there. That's math for you, Randy. Those are your NFL news and notes in today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Butterball Turkeys has their turkey talk line. You can call that, but heck, you can call us because at the bottom of this hour, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Samantha Wolf of Butterball. She's a turkey expert, and you can either text us, 65780, your turkey question. You can tweet us at msmallman or at our Randy Carricker, or you can leave a mic drop. We prefer that. Use the Rhino Shield mic drop feature with your 101 ESPN app. And uh, Samantha will join us in just a few minutes. But right now, it's time for... You're killing me, Small! So how about this, Randy, for a vomit-inducing bet? Mm. How about this for a heartbreaker? So an NFL better put together a nine-leg parlay for $25. This person was one bet away from nailing the whole thing and winning about seven grand. All he needed was for Patrick Mahomes to go over 16.5 rushing yards for the night. So we had the Chiefs-Raiders game. Mahomes was at 18 rushing yards. Then Derek Carr threw an interception with 19 seconds left in the fourth quarter. That sealed the win for the Chiefs. And then what happened? Mahomes kneeled twice. Oh, man. And he finished finished with 16 yards rushing. So because he kneeled, he cost this better who put together that nine-leg parlay about seven grand. Oh, my. What do we call that, Scotty? A bad beat. <laughs> that is. It's a bad beat. A bad That's the worst. beat. Can you imagine being on pins and needles, knowing that you're so close, and then it's right till the end of the game? It's not even. You aren't even on pins and needles. It's done. It's over. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I can imagine Michelle. Not not to say that I have experience, but I was just watching the Cincinnati game on Saturday, who were favored by four points, and their running back went down at the one yard line on first and goal to run the clock out against UCF. But that just comes to mind. I don't know. It's not as if you remember every single detail of no. that moment. And you're having nightmares about it. No. And see, this is why I don't gamble often because I would never be able to get over stuff like that. If that was me, and it cost me seven grand, I would hate Patrick Mahomes for life. And I don't want to hate Patrick Mahomes, but anytime I saw him, I'd be like, you, you kneeled, you cost me seven grand. I think David Carr is the guy that deserves the the blame here for throwing that pick. Derek Carr. Derek Carr, yeah. And David, too. Why not? Let's yeah, blame everybody. Both brothers, yeah. It's, it, it, listen, I don't, I'm blaming the whole family if, if seven grand's out of my pocket. No doubt. Do you have a, a really bad betting experience? I don't, I'm, I've never bet. No, so I don't have any bad experiences. What about you? What's your worst? Oh, yeah, I've got multiple. They uh, happen to top two right now, happen to both be from Cincinnati. Oh. This was a couple of years ago. Eugenio Suarez of the Cincinnati Reds <laughs> uh, had a had a home run in the top of the ninth. So just to reset it, bottom of the eighth, Brewers are, de- Brewers are down three. Okay, I need the Brewers to win to um, hypothetically win this parlay. And the Brewers were down three, grand slam the bottom of the eighth. They go up one. I'm, on, I'm over the moon excited. It's at the very end of the parlay. Top of the ninth, Joey Votto gets one to lead off the inning. Next guy strikes out. Eugenio Suarez comes up. 0-2 count hits a two-run homer. Brewers go down in order in the bottom of the ninth, and the Reds win. There goes a parlay. So the city of Cincinnati is uh, definitely not on my bucket list of places to go. But see, this is something that's now branded in him. He will never forget losing that money. It's the emotional investment of sports and the financial investment of sports. I, I think the one for me, and this is far less severe, March Madness a couple years in a row. I picked Virginia to beat Michigan State, I believe. And Virginia, before they ended up winning it all, got bounced. And so I was like, never again am I going to rely on Virginia. And then they, of course, the following year go to <laughs> on to win. Yeah. So 
bad decisions. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. All right, Randy, we know that the Rams beat the Bucks 27-24. We just talked last segment about Bruce Arians doing the CYA, kind of placing blame onto Tom Brady. Tom Brady taking heat in, in another sector as well. So we know that sometimes he snubs opposing quarterbacks during post-game handshakes when he doesn't win. If he wins, he's very much mm-hmm. seeking out the opposing quarterback, looking for the cameras. It's all there. But it seemed to happen again on Monday night. Jared Goff was on the field searching for Tom Brady after the Rams win. And the ESPN cameras talk, or excuse me, catch Tom Brady going straight to the tunnel. Class. Just class personified, right? He's not a good loser. He needs to cheat more. <laughs> but you think at this stage in his career, yeah. I know he's I know he's a competitor. I know he's angry that they just lost the game, but still. And Be better. You, wouldn't you say pretty much every quarterback under the age of 30 looked up to him as a kid? Shouldn't he be a mentor and a teacher of the class that he should exude? Those kids stick around after they lose to him, right? right. To shake his hand. So why can't he do that? You're 43. Grow up. Yeah. And show some sportsmanship. Yeah. And show some grace. But I just thought that was interesting to see him storming off through the tunnel and then Jared Goff kind of searching around yeah. <laughs> the field like, hey, anybody well, seen Tom? And especially Tom? since the loss was his fault. I mean, we can put it right on Tom Brady, who just is too old at this point to play late night games. The, the Buccaneers should lobby for all of their games to be Sunday at noon. Yeah, they should. Tom should pick up the phone, call Goodell and yep. say, listen, you you need me to have success because it's a storyline and it's eyeballs on the TV. No more late night games, okay? The body needs the compression PJs. The body needs to go to bed. Do you think that Roger Goodell allows the requests of Tom Brady to be affirmatively answered? Because they're mortal enemies because of Deflategate? Yeah, right. Probably not. But I also think Goodell is all about business. He's a businessman mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. And he knows that the the window to be able to capitalize on Tom Brady being a big-time storyline is finite. You have a season, maybe two, maybe. And you need to ride that, that roller coaster while you can. Might be over for Tommy. It might be. But if I'm the NFL and I realize that the primetime games could be detrimental to him and we're mm-hmm. getting towards the uh, the time where it's a make or break thing for him, I might be adjusting the schedule. I'm just yeah, three, saying. 325 on Sundays. That's the latest he plays. Yeah. Which isn't fair to other teams, but still, I'm just saying. Say lovey. Say lovey. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, Randy, we talked earlier in the show about how the College of Football Playoff Committee slighted BYU, coming in at number 14 last night, despite having a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback, despite a 9-0 record, despite crushing their opponents by an average of 33 points a game, and despite being ranked number 8 in both major polls, they came in at number 14. And I thought this was interesting last night during the College Football Playoff Reaction Show on ESPN. You had a shot of Kirk Herbstreet behind him. You know, you have the setup with his jersey, the Herbstreet Mm -hmm. jersey, and then there's a couple of helmets. Initially, there's a BYU helmet up there. After the rankings came out, they go ahead and replace that with a Cincinnati helmet. Wow. I didn't realize that. They went out and they replaced the BYU helmet. So not only did you get slighted in the rankings last night, ESPN pulled the helmet. They said, oh, man, not even in the top 10. I'll tell you what, Michelle, when I look at the teams ahead of BYU, 
When you look at Iowa State, Indiana, Oklahoma, Miami, Georgia, Northwestern, Cincy, and then the top six, who are all clearly better than BYU, I think 14 is a good spot for them. I don't, I don't know that they would... I don't think they are better than any of the 13 teams ahead of them. I think they would all beat BYU. So you're not, you're not impressed with the schedule? Not impressed with the schedule. Not very impressed with the defense. I like the quarterback. I like the offense, but... I think most of the, let me put it this way. If Alabama plays BYU, which isn't fair because Alabama would drill everybody, they'd beat them by, if they wanted to, 40. But I, I think the number 13 team, Iowa State, 6-2, and two, I think they would beat BYU too. But if you're BYU, don't you want that opportunity? Yeah, but you have to take advantage of them when they come. Like maybe playing Washington exactly. since the Apple Cup game is off? Yeah, something like that. That would have been good. Yeah. You're killing me, Small. Okay, finally, Randy, did you see this thing that's being pushed out everywhere all over the internet about this massive sheet of metal that was buried in the desert in a major, major piece of rock in Utah? People are wondering if it's aliens, Randy. It's a huge metal structure that's just protruding out of a big sheet of rock. And there's no holes. It's just sticking out there. And people are saying, is this aliens? Have maybe, they planted the flag? Or maybe they crashed. Maybe. Maybe. I haven't seen it, but I need to find it. I'm going to send it to you. I'm Wait. saying it absolutely is aliens. Because there's got to be alien life on our planet. Does there not? Well, maybe not on our planet, but in the universe. There are aliens. Come on. There's aliens in the administration. <laughs> but Didn't I read that somewhere? I think if I go to Twitter, I might be able to find that. Yeah, please do. But if you're one, so basically a helicopter saw it and they were like, what is that? Because normally when they're looking at this area of Utah, they're counting bighorn sheep, not looking at a massive metal <laughs> structure sticking out of a big, big rock. Pretty amazing. It is amazing. And I wonder if aliens, Randy, are saying, look at what's happening on Earth right now. Maybe yeah. now's our time. Or let's Maybe get the hell the out of here. But then why would they why would they be throwing stuff from the sky? They to crashed. Make, to make their presence known. Yeah. But don't you think if they crashed, then there would be some sort of life forms there? Well, and not crashed, just this one piece of, piece of metal? Right, but there would still be some sort of bones, maybe, or evidence. It'd be green or something. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Thank you, Michelle. You got it. That's your Killing Me Smalls. Next up, Samantha Wolf, the Butterball Turkey Expert. Get your questions into 65780. Leave us a mic drop on 101 ESPN. One, two. Eric Rins Mullen on 101 ESPN. Happy Thanksgiving. We head now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Samantha Wolf is a Butterball Turkey expert. They've got their turkey talk line set up so you can find out what you need to do there. But Samantha is with us to help us talk about preparing a turkey. Good morning, Samantha. This is Randy. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? Everything's great. Michelle is here. Michelle's never prepared a turkey. So if she were calling in, what would the typical first question be? What's the most common question that the butterball experts get? So I think the most common question is, how do I thaw my turkey? And so I would ask her, did she thaw her turkey yet? (laughs) (laughs) So, And what if you haven't thought it by now? So if you haven't thought it by now, and I'm getting a lot of these um, questions this morning, I, we would recommend cold water baths to help start the thaw process. And that's not just putting my turkey in a bath and leaving it go. It's, you have to pay attention to it a little bit. So you would place your turkey breast side down in cold water and you need to change the water every 30 minutes. 
um, depending on how big your turkey is, how long you would actually do the cold water bath. Samantha, I've been reading a lot of conflicting reports about basting. Where do you stand mm-hmm. on basting your turkey? So with basting, um, if it's a butterball, they're essentially self-basting. We um, add a solution to it that acts like a base. It kind of acts like a brine also. Um, So we would say if it's a butterball, you don't have to do that. So with that being the case, is there any reason to open your oven door once you put it in? So there is. We want you to check your temperatures, right? So we hope that everyone has a Um, a meat thermometer handy. That's really the only way to tell if it's done or not. So you can like two thirds away through cooking. I usually recommend to take out your turkey, leave the oven then closed. So you keep in the heat and make sure, um, you know, see how your bird's doing. We want the breast to hit 170 degrees and we want the thigh to hit 180 degrees. And I have the Weber eye grill, which is a fantastic way to measure temperature. What if you don't have a thermometer? So as long if you're using, so if you're cooking your turkey on a grill, as long as your grill has that consistency and you can maintain a temperature of that 325 to 350, you can grill your turkey. We would just help walk you through and how long to do that. Okay. We do have this question for you from Andrew. Samantha, here's Andrew. So I've got a pellet grill and I'm curious, how hard is it to do a turkey with a pellet grill? Good question. So I've, I'm actually getting a lot of calls on pellet grills too. So you can cook the turkey on a pellet grill. It depends how many burners you have, but we don't want the turkey to directly be on the burners. So we would say if you do your turkey, make sure the actual turkey, if it's on the actual grates, to be um, off burners. So you basically would have the side burners on as opposed to the two that are directly under the turkey. Um, Or you can put it in a foil pan on your grill and still same thing. You want to keep those burners um, on the side cooking to maintain that 325 to 350 degree kind of like an oven, um, but not have the turkey directly um, underneath the burners. Samantha, where do you stand on stuffing? Uh, Do you recommend that people put stuffing inside the bird? So we can safely talk you through stuffing your bird. The important thing, once again, is temperatures. So you want that um, stuffing in the in middle of that turkey to reach 165 degrees. If it doesn't, it's not food safe. So the best thing is essentially just to put your stuffing in a pan rather than in the bird. Well, I mean, you can do it safely with turkeys the bigger turkeys tend to take a little longer with the stuffing to cook all the way through but as long as it's reaching the temperature i would say once again make sure you have that thermometer to tell whether or not that stuffing's at 165 samantha we get this text from the 314 i want to soak my turkey in olive oil salt pepper and garlic powder what are your thoughts so soak or uh, marinate is my first question exactly marinate right so I think you can marinate your turkeys. If it's a butterball, once again, we, um, you know, we encourage just a little olive oil or a little uh, vegetable oil to coat the skin and then roasting it at 325. I think that if you choose to marinate, that's up to you. That's fine as well. Um, I would maybe, if you're doing it overnight, make sure that it's a little more dry before you put it in the oven. And what about brining a butterball turkey? 
So once again, you don't have to brine a butterball turkey, but I'm getting a lot of questions this year on it. If you do, our general recommendation is not to do, um, to make sure for every pound of turkey, you don't brine for more than an hour. So if you have a 12 pound turkey, you don't want to brine for more than 12 hours. All right. Uh, Your biggest concern for somebody who's planning on deep frying a turkey for the first time. Biggest concern is, one, make sure it's outside. We know consumers are taking their Thanksgivings outside this year. Um, Make sure it's outside. Make sure your turkey is totally defrosted. And do not brine a turkey before you fry. Why is that? So if you brine a turkey before you um, fry, it can be a little too wet. And then once you um, put it in the oil, it can splatter and bad things could happen. Okay, so I'll keep that in mind. and. One other question for you, and that is in regards to spices. What is your recommended classic spice combination for a turkey? So once again, Butterball just says simply, do you just need the oil? Because our turkeys do have um, a solution of spices and salt and water added to them that gives them a great flavor. But if you wanted to, I'm just the classic salt and pepper girl. (laughs) Um, Just oil, salt and pepper. And I promise you, you'll get a great turkey if it's a Butterball. And are you guys just inundated with phone calls throughout today and tomorrow? Yes, so you can reach us at 1-800-BUTTERBALL. You can text us at 844-873-456. You can web chat us. You can email us. There's, so there's a variety of ways um, to get in contact with us. All hands are on deck right now. It's super busy, <laughs> um, but I promise we'll get you an answer. Just be a little patient. Samantha, great stuff, great information. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great Thanksgiving. You too. That's Samantha Wolf from Butterball here on 101 ESPN. And thanks to our friends at Butterball because they allowed us to give away some turkeys to people that wanted them during the course of this Thanksgiving season. And what great information to everybody out there that's going to be making a turkey. So don't brine a turkey that you're going to deep fry. Interesting. I didn't know that. I know it now. (laughs) And make sure that that baby's defrosted. Yes. Coming up next, we're going to cross things over with Dan McLaughlin. Scoops with Danny Mac. Michelle, you've got some stuff to take care of today, right? I do. So you're going to head on out? I am, and I wanted to wish everyone out there a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Enjoy your days off, and we will see you next Monday. Thank you. See you. That's Michelle. Coming up, Danny Mac and Scoops on 101 ESPN. Sir? I'm doing great. We have a four-day weekend. It's Thanksgiving Eve. Hey, man, it's all good. Life's good. Life's good. Thanksgiving Eve has always been so fun. And one of the bummers of the coronavirus and all of our quarantining and social distancing is that we miss out on one of the great events on the St. Backstoppers. Yeah, the Guns and Hoses. It's the night before Thanksgiving every year, and we're missing out on it this year. I was uh, contacted about potentially being an announcer for the fights, and I wanted to do it. That'd be great. I wanted to do it. I, I thought it'd be great. I, I was going to do it for free, obviously, mm-hmm. and just donate the salary, whatever they were going to, or salary, the stipend, whatever they were going to pay me. I said, no, just give it back to the backstoppers, and I want to call some fighting. That'd be fun. I would have loved it. That'd have been great. They do need help. So yes, if you, they do. If you have the opportunity, because this is their biggest fundraiser. So if you have the opportunity to donate to backstoppers during the course of this holiday season, please do so and support those families of fallen first responders in the St. Louis area over the years. You ever called boxing? Never have. I wanted, I've never called boxing. I got called to do um, a real, like, legitimate professional boxing match mm-hmm. card, like, 15 years ago, and the event got canceled for some reason, but I was fired up. 
here's a right hook. Jab, 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 and, you know. And it's interesting because you, you listen to Cosell, who was basically a reporter. He wasn't even right. a play-by-play no. guy. But he was perhaps the best boxing play-by-play guy ever. He couldn't have done it on radio. He did, He was great at letting the pictures tell the story. Lampley is really awesome. good. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I, getting ready for that, I went back and watched YouTube stuff, you know, and uh, of just how they call it, what they do, you know, the the verbiage, that kind of thing. And uh, he was awesome on some of those big fights. Jim Lampley on, and did it for HBO for like 25 years. Um, I think Tessitore does a great job. He does. I think Joe Tessitore is fantastic. So, yeah, it would have been interesting. I would have I messed it up, but we would have raised a lot of money, so that would have been the good part. And if people aren't aware of it, Back in the 40s and the 50s, boxing was, boxing and baseball were the two sports yeah. in America. It wasn't until really 1958, the early 60s, that the NFL took off. Hockey really didn't take off for a long time until the expansion into the southern part of the United States in the mid-60s. And the NBA, heck, the, the NBA was on thin ice in thin the ice. late 70s. Yeah. So it was baseball and boxing that were the two big sports in our country. And big boxing events were held on... Primetime nights. Muhammad Ali was he was seven o'clock and he was an entire evening on ABC. Yep. I loved it. Um I think the thrill in Manila was the anniversary was just last week or right. something like that. Yeah. I've I've gone back and watched that. I, I'm a boxing fan. Mike Tyson, I used to really enjoy watching too. to fight. That's probably the last fighter that I sat there and said, I'm Saturday night, it's a pay-per-view, or even when he first started, it was HBO or whatever it was. But I would I'd make time to watch him fight. He's fighting this weekend, I think, against Tyson. Yeah, Roy joins. Uh, oh, right, the pay per view, but the seniors division, right? Um, but I would stop to watch him fight. Holyfield, I would watch fight. Uh, Foreman, I'd watch fight. Even when it was at the latter stages of his career, mm-hmm. I just found it interesting. I would watch him to fight Sugar Ray. I, I'd I'd watch fight. Um, Hagler Hearns is one of the greatest fights, probably. For me, watching that live was like one of the best events I've ever seen. That was awesome. It was fantastic. I mean, it was incredible. Yep, and they just didn't stop. Didn't Both stop. Of them were amazing. For Tyson Spinks, they had a with the one that took about uh, what fifty eight seconds or whatever it was. I think it was like ninety seconds. Yeah, and they did a closed circuit over at the Fox, mm-hmm. and there was a huge crowd there. And the Cardinals were playing that night, so I went over watched that. Took 90 seconds, so I came back and watched the end of the Cardinal game. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take it long, was did unbelievable it? how fearsome Mike Tyson in his prime was. Oh, my goodness. When he was a custom auto and just, just he was like legendary as a, as a young age. And, and you could see, I don't know if you feel this way, but I, maybe I'm wrong saying this, but when he would walk into the ring and he just had the towel on, you could see the fear in the other guy. Yeah, definitely. And the other guy is one of the best fighters in the world. Right. They were scared, man. I mean, there was just a fear fear factor with him that was unlike anything yeah. other in, in his era. And we always have the debate. We have the Jordan versus LeBron debate. I'm telling you, I think that Tyson in his prime beats Ali in his prime. Ali was a better boxer, but Tyson was impenetrable. He was uh, impetuous. Yes. He would eat your children. Yes, Wait a minute, I heard that somewhere. I think he might have said that. Yeah, I, I did hear that. <laughs> that did ring a bell. Yeah, that, that, that did yeah. ring a bell. Okay, yeah. That was before the, uh, wasn't it before the, one of the Holyfield uh, fights that he did that? 
It was awesome. After, after, I think, after yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then when Larry Merchant was always one of my favorites, too. Larry Merchant yeah, would come great. in and he could, the he'd, he'd, microphone. Right, he'd come in and interview these guys. It was unbelievable. Yeah, but, it, it was great. The sport was fantastic. But now it's UCF. Or US, UFC. UFC, I mean. Not, yeah. not uh, Central, not Central Florida. Florida. Yeah. No. Now it's UFC. Are you into UFC much? No. I, I'm not either. I, I, I will watch the highlights. I won't watch a full event. But I watch the highlights. I think UFC. I watch McGregor though. Yeah, he's interesting. He, yeah. he makes it theatrical. Yeah, I think what it does, what MMA does, is it feeds that lust for violence that America used to get from the NFL. And now that violence has kind of been legislated out of the NFL, still pretty violent, Randy. It is. It's gruesome. Yeah. But I mean, you used to have people that would clothesline guys, right? And <laughs> That's they wouldn't true. Get, wouldn't get penalized. That's for true. It. Yeah, and late hits on a quarterback. No, those were yeah. those were just regular hits, right? Guys staying in the pocket and getting pummeled. Yeah. So that that sport's different, and I think that bloodlust that America has, it's just a natural human reaction, is satisfied at some level by UFC and by the MMA fighters. I, I've told this before when I was doing the sidelines for the Rams, and I'd go down there and watch those games. I remember the first time I did it, and I walked away thinking, "This how are, how are any of the running backs getting up? I, mm-hmm. I could not believe it was a train wreck every play. So when you're watching on TV, that's one thing. If you're in the seats, that's one thing. You, you would hear sometimes a good hit. If you're closer to the field, you'd see some of that. But I'm telling you, when you were on the field and watching the, the violent collisions, it, it, was, it was enough to take your breath away and scare yeah. you. It was unbelievable. How hard these guys were hitting and we, hit. We look at a guy like Joe Burrow the other day. Tears an MCL, tears an ACL, other structural dra- damage in the knee, and we go, eh, he'll be back next year. That's no a big deal. Really serious injury that yes. nobody suffers unless you're playing football or another sport. Dak Prescott. Yeah, right. Yeah, How we're, gruesome we're, was that? We're not going to invest in a, another quarterback. We we feel he's fine. We'll, yeah, we'll, he'll, he'll come back next year. Rehab, no big deal. What those guys go what? through is amazing. It's unbelievable. It was a train wreck. Yeah, it is. So Marshall was running one time. He hit the hole, and a safety came up, and it was just a violent collision. And he was really good, I think, at avoiding like the 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 boom, you know, like the mm-hmm. the jump boom. But it was it was a bad one, and I was like, how, and he popped right back up, flipped the ball to the referee, and I was like, that is unbelievable. How does that happen? Right. I mean, I'd be on a stretcher. Or somebody would have to... I mean, the normal human being would have to be carried off the field. Yeah. It, it, it's unbelievable what those guys go through and obviously what they go through later in life. Yeah. It's uh, tough. Yep. This is the last day for Scott Manziaras, our producer engineer here on Carriker and Smallman and yeah. Scoops. Very sad. Very sad day. He I, decided, like many of our other producer engineers, yeah. he didn't like it that much. Long list of guys and gals. Yeah, yeah. Nice job, Randy. Yeah. I can hear in your voice, Dan. So, Thanks. Thanks. I know you're really beat up about me leaving. I am beat up about it. Randy is too. He's emotional about the whole thing. I know Randy's upset. I'm, I'm saying I don't, I don't know if you're upset. I'm very upset. I'm emotional. I keep my emotions on the inside. Okay. Well, very you, emotional. What are you going to do with your life now? Uh, I am actually besides sleep in. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to be working for a marketing group downtown, um, working with both my brothers who have been uh, very successful in a, in a new company and get an opportunity to uh, work with them is, is going to be fun for me. And then uh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I'm, I'm really going to miss you guys. 
Miss you too. Did a great job. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks that. for all your work. Yep. And by the way, if you're watching tonight's Billiken game on ESPN Plus, Scott will have the play by play. I will. Yeah, I'm really I'm excited for that. And Billiken's back on the back on the court, man. They're gonna be a really good team. So it's S I U E and the Billikens at Chaffetz. Correct. No fans. Six PM. No fans. We'll be uh we'll be up in the rafters calling the game. We won't be down on the floor like uh, you normally would see a broadcast be done. It's gonna be different. It's gonna be exciting though. We'll still bring the energy. Yeah. So it'll be just like the end of the Jim Cruz era, basically. Randy, you always have to throw in a little dig, and I think we, we go on a positive note but is here. Is it funny? No. It's, I'm laughing on the inside. My emotions are on the inside. So keep the, um, keep the emotions in check on this show. My hope is, because they deserve it, that if we can get a vaccine and get people into buildings, oh, that they will sell out, because they're going to be that good and they're that fun. Hassan French, Javante Perkins, uh, Jordan Goodwin, they've got uh, Jimerson back. I I'll tell you one of the things that's going to happen with SLU is that he's recruited class on class on class. Yep. And so even this awful period in which coaches can't go out and recruit, now they're Zooming and doing those things and texting and calling, but he's he's building classes. So yep. I think a lot of these teams are – it's going to be fascinating to watch in all sports, baseball, football, basketball, whatever you like in college – how teams come out of this because they weren't able to recruit or had they built up recruiting classes, had they made some inroads to at least get those kids in. And there's going to be some schools that do not do that and have not done that. Travis Ford, rather than building a team, has built a program. Yes, he has. And And I would agree with that. He's got it cooking. It's going to be great. What do we got coming up on scoops? All baseball. uh, Touch a a little bit about college basketball, college football, the playoff uh, rankings in the first segment. But then uh, Brian Walton was coming up, and we'll talk about some of the 40-man maneuvering that's going on minor leagues. And uh, Cardinal All-Star shortstop Paul DeYoung will be my guest as well. Awesome. Looking forward to hearing that. Yep. Have a great Thanksgiving. You too. Happy Thanksgiving, Randy. And thank you, to everybody, for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of this show for everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we've got best ofs coming up the next couple of days, and we'll see you live again on Monday morning. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.